Welcome to Island Designed, a partnership podcast between Turf and Grey magazine and Belfast Design Week, an annual design festival showcasing and celebrating the design sector in its many forms. As co-hosts, Krishma and I want to capture a moment in time for creatives across the island of Ireland and share their experiences and stories in a different way to audiences around the world. We want to shed light into what being a creative in Ireland means by actually speaking to those within the sector. Each year, Belfast Design Week follows a theme, and this year we want to explore the many ways that the design sector relates to our environments, the natural environment, our working environment, our home environment, and the technological environment. We want to explore our relationships with each of these spaces and how advancements in design can and have created change for our environment and consequently us, and how those ideas will shape our future. We will be discussing how and why the environment and design are so important in today's world. And we will be speaking with creatives from a range of disciplines whose work and lifestyle choices embody our theme. I'm Rachel and I'm a marketing assistant for Bailey's Coffee Roasters in Belfast. I've also been a part of the Turf and Green team, writing and interviewing for both issues four and five over the last two years. And I'm Karishma. I'm a designer and co-director of Belfast Design Week and also part of Team Turf, where I met the lovely Rachel, my co-host and Simon, our producer as well. In this episode, Rachel and I discuss our attitudes to the ethics around the products that we consume and the human cost of it all. How can we engage with design in a more ethical and responsible way? So yeah, so have you seen any local examples of companies doing sustainability well or or ones you think are trying to get there certainly because obviously you can't just you know suddenly become sustainable overnight but who's who's making an attempt at this and who's who's doing this well um locally i think there are some really great people doing really cool stuff um i think that um from what i know it's people here more in the fashion design industry at the moment um i think that people like um listen to graham um kindred of ireland um there is a influencer down south um molly parsons who runs like she's sort of like a depop queen um and then there's a few others um there's a brand called Amara Earth based out of Donegal and um, they make like really beautiful um hags which are like hats and but can also be little bags as well um <laughs> really the stuff that's a really good yeah, word um that's just really beautiful um they're all people Amy Marie as well he's another like um local designer um, and she uses a lot of linen and like hand dyes, like she hand dyes her fabric and it's all natural dyes as well. Um, there are some people that are doing really cool, really beautiful like pieces as well. Um, Lucinda's stuff is incredible. She just opened her shop there, I think last week. Um, and it's like beautiful, like Georgian and like Western style jackets made out of vintage materials some of it's really 70s um fabrics um some of them are like paisley prints and georgian kind of esque um patterns and designs um and they're like repurposed and they're made into these amazing jackets um and it's 
like I love that idea like that loop is being totally closed it's like using something that's already in existence and making something incredible from it I think is such a really amazing concept and I really love brands that do that I think it's so cool um there are a couple of like beauty companies um who do try and do the same there's actually a local one the natural beauty pot um and I think it's a girl based out of like Anna Skillen and she runs her own little company and she all of her makeup is like naturally um made it's all natural ingredients um and she sells like other things like shampoo bars and things like that um and her stuff's really lovely really nice um and it's kind of um nice kind of knowing that you're kind of supporting local as well as buying something that's not harmful um but that is difficult as well um and of course some of those companies who are local who are making things by hand and to order it's slightly more expensive than your usual dress or a shirt but like you know he's making that there's someone made sitting and sewing for hours to make that and like there's a couple other people here doing really cool really amazing things across the water um in Cornwall there's a brand called Sand and Pam which I'm obsessed with they're like a swimwear it's like surf kind of company it's a girl Vicky that runs it and she makes like handmade swimwear pieces um out of and it's the materials are is like recycled fishing nets and plastic um which is really cool um and it's all made to order um so you know you maybe wait like two to three weeks to get your order but you know when it arrives it's this incredibly bespoke fitted piece of clothing um I have like a t-shirt from her um that I got over the summer and it's like a hemp t-shirt hand dyed tie-dye it's so cool um but just the difference between getting something like that um which is a bit pricier like I sometimes stow away money for a while and I'm like oh I'm gonna buy one or two things um even just around the packaging and the care around receiving something like it and then the product the end product inside is so different compared to purchasing something um you know from a, a larger company there's just something really intrinsically nice and like I don't know wholesome about buying from someone who's you know being being yeah, crafty someone yeah. that is is yeah has, is also responsible for the packaging yeah. and everything else as well that's a really good point Rachel about the packaging because I think that's a massive source of waste actually for the whole of the design industry and also you know when you're shopping for things online they all come in these big you know cardboard boxes sometimes you'll have probably seen this the cardboard box is enormous yeah. and inside it you have like one pen yeah. so I just wonder if there's a, a better way of doing all of that and I know that you know obviously cardboard is recyclable as well um, but it's just whether it can all be done a bit better and I know there's a lot of local companies that are trying to switch to biodegradable packaging and different ways of working with that cafe is probably another example of that kind of recyclable um more 
not recyclable, biodegradable coffee cup yeah. in their store, for example. I know with your, your work with Bailey's as well, you'll probably have come across a lot of that as yep. well. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So what do you think about all of that? Do you think we can do packaging better? Because packaging is a form of design as well. And maybe that could be done in a more responsible way across the whole of the design industry. It definitely, definitely can be. Um, we've had to do a lot of painstaking research into packaging <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, you looked really nervous when I said packaging. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> Seems like a lot, a lot of time has gone into it. It's, um, it is one that um, is so multi-layered and um, like packaging. Yeah, just uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like packaging. <laughs> it took me a while to like catch packaging. that, and then I was like. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I know I thought I'd made a that was a really good but, joke it's just I clearly have yeah, not woken up yet <laughs> um yeah do you know um I think even do you know with products we can get like sold down the river about how great a product is and then find out later that you know the the history of it or where it, where it came from or how it was made then changes our opinion it is in my view, the same still with some packaging. Um, and sometimes I think we are also fed lies about packaging um, or about how it can be recycled because I, I actually think that there's still so much onus that needs to be put on like council areas to provide proper bins and, and things for um, packaging or to just to make it even more clear because like if you go across like council um areas like bins change like they're not all the same um but there could be so much more done with packaging a hundred percent um and we like we've done so much research into it and um we've kind of started to discover that sometimes recyclable is better than um some of the compostable options and that is a lot of the time down to um price points um and ease for a customer you know because um you need to look into what kind of facilities are available to them like will will this compost and into this or will it not like um there's so much behind the scenes and it's incredible the technology that is there to provide that but um I see how some other companies do things and it's so interesting um, to see that, um, you know, with um, even how some things are sent. So like I maybe bought one or two things over the last year from um, a company called Bybee Beauty and they use glass like jars for their packaging and um, which you can like send back to them and they will recycle those pots, um, which is kind of cool. Um, they're the box that comes in their most of their products come in, like a cardboard box filled with the, you know, like the peanuts, but they're compostable. So you can just throw everything into your brown bin, which is like quite cool. Um, I've seen then you can get the, biodegradable uh postal 
bag. So um, there's a brand called Finisterre based out of Cornwall. They're like a outdoor company and some of their, so it's just like brown paper packaging, like super, everybody knows you can just recycle that. That's super easy. And then the clothing usually comes in like a clear plastic. It looks like a clear kind of plastic vacuum sealed bag, which you then put in your sink, pour some hot water on it and it just dissolves down in there. Um, that's which pretty is, cool and that's probably quite fun yeah, as well um, <laughs> that interactive element of it you're like oh I want to see this yeah, disappear it was <laughs> probably the coolest um, so this is an exciting piece of packaging I received all summer um, to very interesting and it was like my days like that's ridiculously cool and it's ocean friendly as well so there's no like harmful chemicals going into the like that was just I think that's maybe one of the most like innovative pieces of like design for packaging I've seen it like in a very long time I was just like that's so incredibly cool um that's brilliant because I mean you could see that you know really changing the whole industry if more people were able to adopt that because you know plastic is a massive cause of you know waste and sea pollution and you know it is one of the biggest uh, materials in terms of that sort of waste and causing issues to the environment so I think that would make a massive difference yeah and like that's the problem with the likes of um like blended fabrics and things too like when you read into it and stuff too when all these materials are mixed together it makes the product less recyclable depending on what those all most materials are so um just um more information or more like innovation around products um and their packaging what that's all composed of too or just making the consumer more aware of that too um that could make a massive difference um When you were talking about the glass jar, I was also thinking of a more sort of commercial product as well, which is the Nutella jar. I know obviously (laughs) all of the back of that company is not necessarily that sustainable, but that particular product, um, having that in a jar, you know, you can actually just use that jar as a glass afterwards because of the shape of it. And I have a whole collection of Nutella jars that are glasses and they're actually quite nice glasses and they've lasted for years. And I think more of that kind of thing that you're saying, you know, the glass jar, you can use it for something afterwards. You can use something as, you know, a plant pot or some sort of vessel in your kitchen. There's some sort of other use for it. I think that might be another way forward for designers to think about packaging. You know, how could this person use this afterwards? Are you sending something in a cloth bag that they could then, you know, use to store something else? Is it like a tote bag? Just wrap it in a tote bag and send it off and then just opens up and then you can use the tote bag. Is there ways of doing that potentially? I think there's loads of ways of doing that. And I think the Nutella jar is actually, that's a brilliant Example. Yeah, you were laughing whenever I said that because you the same. We've grown up with Nutella jars as our <laughs> glasses in our cupboard for many, many years. And we're all of Nutella jar glasses. We're all quite clumsy, so we've broken many, many Nutella jars. And then my mom's like, it's fine. It was a Nutella jar. Um my mom even reuses the actual the bigger ones as well for random stuff oh. just to store things in. Um yeah, we've uh, that's so funny to think like we've always I don't think we've ever thrown out a Nutella jar ever. Like we just we've always had hundreds of them lying around. Jam jars too. 
Yeah. It, um, yeah. Things like that. I think I do have jam jars, but Nutella jars I've actually used a lot. Yeah. I feel like jam jars, you can use them for storage, but Nutella jars are actually like there on your yeah. shelf and you're using them as a different yeah. use, just as a glass. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's funny like how easy it is to kind of bypass like something that's been around forever or, you know, since I was a kid, like, um, that's and it doesn't require that many product changes it is literally just that sort of shape of that glass is just a little bit different so it's yeah. not sitting like a jar it's got a bit more of a curve on it so it turns into a glass then and the top of it is then you know something you can drink yeah. from because the glass jars then they narrow and have a lid yeah. but with that one the lid is in such a way that you can just peel it off and then the glass is just there so it's great I think another one I will always say great things about Lush but um oh yes Lush is brilliant and they've always had really strong advertising as well I think the way they've done everything from the start that has been at the heart of their company Uh, my cupboard is like filled (laughs) with the little black pots from Lush because um well you take you take five back and you get like a face mask so that's pro um but like I just use them for everything like I store so much in them I will always reuse them like um just they're so handy like just I I've never had to throw them away if I've, if I have too many of them or if I collect too many of them I'll just take some back and like get a face mask but um that's another great policy the returning it you know collecting return it then they can reuse it they can clean it and make it hygienic reuse it and that's another great way of doing that I think mm-hmm. it's great and and then they have a selection of like naked products, so without any packaging. Um so like the likes of like their shampoo bars and stuff, which are actually like pretty some of them are like pretty good. Um, you know, that just involved like I keep I store them in the pots that I have when I'm not using them. Um and like yeah, it's just that idea of like you can like I remember I used to take them when I was traveling and things, um and like just that it's so it's a strange concept initially when you first start using something like that and then you're just like no bot like there's nothing to throw out in the end it's just a completely waste-free option yeah you're right why don't we hear from our guest in this episode we talk to dr lippy begum a researcher and lecturer of fashion at the university of the arts london and she's a current research fellow leading a nationwide consultation to look at sustainable research and development needs of small fashion and tech businesses. So here's Lippy. Hi, Karishma. Um, awesome to be talking to you this morning. Um, so I'm Lippy Begum. I'm a researcher and lecturer of fashion, business and cultures. I've been teaching and researching fashion for over a decade now. I'm the editor of the book Styling South Asian Youth Cultures, I have a PhD on the power meanings of the bra in urban India and currently a research fellow leading a nationwide consultation with the University of the Arts London to look at the sustainable research and development needs of small fashion, textile and technology businesses across the UK. And that's how I came across your exciting work and Belfast Design Week. Um, So my fashion research is quite broad, but mostly around creative cities, cultures and enterprise. I mean, you couldn't have picked a more timely topic than fashion and the environment. Um, it's been on the radar of consumers 
and brands for a while that fashion is one of the world's largest polluting industries. You know, we are in a fashion and environment crisis. The industry contributes to CO2 emissions. It damages biodiversity. You know, it uses a lot of water. So research shows that the industry is responsible for about 4% of the global greenhouse gases. And the highest levels are really at the raw materials and textiles production stage, you know, almost more than 50% at that stage. So we talk about carbon neutral, but what we really need to push for is carbon negative. So, you know, this would require decarbonisation initiatives to, you know, be intensified by at least an extra 60% in the early stages of production, as well as, you know, brands and consumers making improvements. So that's really essential to reduce annual emission goals for by, by say, 2030. But as I say, it probably needs to happen sooner. But one of the interesting thing that I, that I feel that the pandemic has accelerated is the topic of the social environment and not just the physical, uh, the natural environment. So the impact on workers in the sector, the negative impact of poor working environments in the sector, whether it's low paid internships or, or you know, uh, poor working conditions leading to factory disasters. So my thoughts really this year um, are around fashion and the social environment. So I feel like at the moment, you know, taking into consideration all the um, natural environment issues, I'd really like to see fashion designers think more carefully about their social environments, just as much as the natural environment, um, as I was saying. So, for example, improving working conditions and importantly, hiring diverse talent. So we've seen with movements like Black Lives Matter and the impact of job losses among low paid frontline minority ethnic groups within the sector. You know, these are areas which I believe should be investigated further, just as much as bringing in new technical systems and, and processes. So the more diverse the workforce, I believe there's a higher the, chan higher the chances of a productive sector and economy. And if you look at the figures of UK productivity, it's been low for a long time since 2008. So we can't afford not to look at ways to attract diverse talent with diverse ideas for the long-term growth of the sector. And there's lots of ways that designers can maybe investigate this. Um, it's, it's a big topic. Um, so we talk about not wasting environmental resources, but what about not wasting talent? Um, so for me, um, the social environment goes hand in hand with, with the natural environment. I mean, it's been quite interesting because the sort of issues that I've just brought up around the social environment, a lot of it has been driven by consumer awareness, you know, refusing to buy, say, from certain brands because of the way they're treating factory workers, whether that's in Bangladesh or whether that's in, in Leicester. So I am seeing consumers sort of drive that conversation, you know, um, because they may know somebody who's working in the sector, who's um, in the broader fashion sector and they're not getting paid enough or they've lost their job. And it's, it's kind of sparked a new kind of empathy in people because everybody's in a similar boat now um, or for the first time they're experiencing, you know, lots of uncertainty, which they may have previously just seen in another context, but now 
they can apply it to their own context. Um, so consumers, you know, there are there are pockets where, where consumers are, are driving this conversation, but there's still a lot more that consumers can do. They can think about the pledges that brands are making about um, supporting their workforce, more sustainable practices. So consumers can research the brand before buying. Um, it, there's no right or wrong answer. It's quite difficult. Um, so it's also thinking about, you know, what's important to you and, and why you're buying from that brand and not another brand. There's ways of, different ways of being ethical. So it could be um, buying sustainable fabrics, making your garment last, to um, even buying secondhand because there's a lot of fashion in, in, the, in, in the environment at the moment. We probably don't need to produce more really. Um, so so the, the, there are lots of different ways that consumers can get engaged, but it's really about um, educating yourself really um, about the brands that you love and why you love them and, and figuring out what they're doing and whether that you think that's um, sustainable. In terms of um, anything else, I think, you know, coming back to sort of the Belfast Design Week, um, I'd like to add that, you know, it's a really interesting time for, for Belfast in terms of diversity and the fashion and creative industries. So the fashion sector in Northern Ireland doesn't receive as much investment as other, other sectors. But what it does have is a beginning tech sector with fashion, which fashion and design could collaborate with, designers can work with, you know, um, graphic artists to um, um, other technical um, disciplines. So what really excites me is that Belfast is one of the youngest populations in Europe. You know, 43, as you know, 43% of the population is under 30 years of age. And, you know, it's said that over about 73,000 individuals in the region are engaged in exciting startups, early stage entrepreneurial activity. Um, so I feel like there's lots of scope in areas like fashion and creative workspaces. UX design, you know, some of the things that you're covering in Belfast Design Week, you know, bringing back heritage fabrics such as linen, maybe combining it with games design, open data, artificial intelligence. There's lots of scope for uh, looking at smart textiles for disability and health. Um, so that's quite exciting for me, and that's something that I'd like to add. Um, so it's really a case for pushing for more investment so we can harness all that creativity, say, even with social media to, you know, to support the sector, to create and sustain employment, support good jobs and maybe help the creative economy of, of, of the UK. Um, so that, that's, that, 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 uh, that point is really, that really comes out from my current research on, on looking at um, the fashion textiles technology sector across the UK and that's something that I wanted to add in terms of, of Belfast and you can find some of my work related to this on the project page um, the project that I'm working for on, on the project page so it's called the business of fashion textiles and technology um, and you can find that on bftt.org.uk um, and some of these ideas around different creative cities um, we can look at cities outside of the UK. So some of my works on South Asia, and you can find some um, some ideas related to that in my book. 
South Asian Youth Cultures, Fashion, Media and Society, which is which was published by Bloomsbury in 2018. So that's a, that's just a, a plug there. You can find that on the Bloomsbury website. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting time. Um, it's challenging, um, but it's just a case of which direction the creativity will go. And I hope it goes in the direction which helps support creativity and all the artists and designers in that space and, um, and create sustainable employment for, for them in the long term. Thanks for listening to this episode of Island Designed. We hope you have picked something up in our conversation that you might take with you, a thought or a challenge, as to how we assess the cost of our lifestyle and its impact on the environment and our relationships with each other. This podcast was produced as a collaboration between Belfast Design Week and Turf and Grain. If you would like to find out more about Belfast Design Week, please visit belfastdesignweek.com.